Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here, and really glad that you are worshiping with us today. And as Lauren mentioned earlier, we're in the middle of a series called Devoted. We're kind of working our way through this phrase that Jesus used when he's talking about what the greatest commandment in all of Scripture is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're kind of talking about each one of those in turn, and Mark kicked us off a couple of weeks ago talking about heart, that I'm going to love God with my heart, and just what does it mean to um, have an emotional love for God beyond just some sort of devotion, some sort of, you know, I'm a follower, but like a heart connection. And then last week, we talked about what it means to have a, a soul connection with God, that the deepest parts of us want to connect with God. And I feel like this is really, really important because we have this idea, and really we maybe come too accustomed to it. It's actually a pretty novel, significant idea that the God of the universe, the creator God of the universe, who brought everything that we would call reality into existence with his words, that someone that incredibly powerful would want to relate to us. Like, it's, it's, it's a wild idea, but the, the immediate question should be, how does one relate to someone that powerful, that big, seemingly that distant? How does one do it? Because it doesn't even, it doesn't even make any sense that he would want that. And, but, so how do we do it? And I think sometimes we have overcomplicated that because God has done an incredible job of kind of, of revealing himself to us about how he wants to relate to us some really actually relatable metaphors and illustrations. And the biggest one that gets used a lot is a Lord, a King. He is a Lord and a King to us. And that has some implications to it that if, you know, how do you relate to a Lord or a King? Primarily through respect and obedience. And we'll spend some time next week when we talk about what does it mean to love God with our strength, with our actions, what that looks like. But it's not simply limited to that. Mark talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The, the imagery that is used of between a husband and a wife. We're often referred to as the bride of Christ. And Israel is referred to as the same way, as his, as his, as his chosen partner, as his chosen wife. And the, and the emotional and soul level implications of that. But one that is also incredibly common, and especially so in, in the New Testament, is that of a father. That, that God is a father to us. And again, there's a little respect and obedience in that, but then there's also an emotional, a soul connection to that. All of these things put together kind of help us understand the way that God wants us to relate to him. But the thing, and even in that explanation, is I'm telling you all of these different things. Well, God is described this way, and God is described this way, God is described this way. In order for us to even know that, one has to study it. One has to learn, what is it that God has said about himself? What are some things about God that I can know? And so it is important then to kind of, if I'm going to have a relationship with anyone, 
it is important for me to understand who they are. And my wife and I, uh, we've been married almost 30 years, and there's just some things about me that are just true that can just be frustrating for her and really frustrating for everyone when they, when they find them out, right? And um, one of them is, and this is going to... This is, this is going to cut deep with a lot of you, and I apologize in advance. I really, I just don't like coffee. I, I, I don't like it. Deeper than that, I don't understand it. I don't understand the concept of hot beverage in general. I'm always hot, on, like, outside and inside, I'm always hot. Like, you know, you know what I want? I want more hot. I wish I were even more hot. And then we're not really drinking, we're just kind of going... No, I'm mean, like, when I drink, I'm mean, like, yeah, you, like, we're drinking. We're not, like, what are you doing? Well, you have to wait for it to cool down. Then, then what are we doing? And okay, so, but beyond that, beyond that, I'm like, I don't like the bitter taste of it either. It just feels very bitter to me. And let me tell you, over the course of the last 20, see, I just, I don't know where it came from. But welcome to the list of the 50, 60, 70 people in my life who are like, listen, listen, you just don't understand. Just add a little add a little milk, add a little sugar, do a little this, a little caramel, a little chocolate. And you know, like you can put ice in it now, you put ice into them. Let me just show you. I can make you something that you will like. And sometimes they broke, they'll just hand you a chocolate shake. And it's like, here's a chocolate shake. And I'm like, mm, and you're like, mm. I was like, oh, it's nice. And then it goes Kink, at the end, right? And supposedly that's the good part, and I don't understand. And I'm like, how about you drink your coffee? I'll just have a regular chocolate shake. It's just, it's just, it's just what I am. And, and the other one, which can be equally frustrating, is that I don't float. I, don't, I, I can't float. I just can't. It's not possible. And you think, and again, you're just like, same things. Same person over here who said sugar is over here saying, you're not doing it right. And I'm like, I promise, welcome to the list. It started for me, I was like eight or nine years old, when, this is pretty harsh for the YWCA of El Dorado, Arkansas, to flunk a kid in intermediate swim lessons, but it's because I could not float on my back. And, and I know what you're thinking. And, and well, if, if you are willing, or this, if this is important to you, then you can be the next one. You can be the 50th person in my life to show me what I'm not doing right. Arch your back, hold, do this with your breath, do your arms this way, you need to relax, sure, sure, sure. And then you'll just watch me just fold like this, and then I'll sit at the bottom of the pool, and I'll just wave at you. And like, see, here's where we are. There's something happening from my, just above my waist to my knee. There's something happening here that just, that just, that just won't. And so because of that, that's just, I mean, these are just immutable characteristics. Dozens of people over the years have tried to get me to be something than what I am. And so ultimately, in order for anyone to have a functional relationship with me, we just have to understand this. And so if you reach out to me, which you're more than welcome to do, Hey, we should get coffee sometime. I'll say sure, and I will recommend one of two places. Einstein's or Panera, because they also have soda fountains. And then we can just all get along and, quote, have coffee together. But there's, those are fun things. But there's lots of things like that in, in Heidi and I's relationship and my relationships with all of you, with my relationships with my kids, with my friends, that in order to have a real meaningful relationship with me, there are certain things that need to be known. My, my closest friends would never ask me out for coffee except as a joke to tease me. And my, the people who know me the best will not be surprised that I will be the one who is most clinging on to a life jacket. 
Not because I'm scared, but because I can't. And it's just helpful, right? So the more you know me, the better the relationship will be. And there's something that Jesus says that I think is incredibly powerful to help us understand really the depth and significance of knowing God. And it's in John 17, John 17, verses 1 through 3. We got Jesus right here. He is about to be arrested and he's about to be crucified. And this is kind of where his heart and his mind are. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent And so Jesus is here on the cusp of dying on the cross and he's going to sacrifice his life for all of us. And he is doing this thing that we talk about a lot, which is through his death, we are able to be united with him and have eternal life and have a life, a relationship with God. And as his heart and his mind and his body are kind of all pointed this direction and he's thinking about the life that is about to be granted to all of the people who will ultimately follow Jesus Christ. He's thinking about what that means, and he says this, verse 3, this is eternal life, that they can know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We very often think about eternal life really in terms of length. It is something that starts in a certain moment, and it goes on, and it does not have an end. It is eternal in length. And Jesus is not disagreeing with that, but he is saying something deeper and different than that in addition, where he's saying it is, it is an eternal type of life. It is an eternal connection. It is, it is deeper than a physical, it is more than a physical life. It is more than an emotional life, more than a spiritual life. It is an eternal depth and quality of life. That it does have an eternal distance, but it has an eternal quality, an eternal depth, an eternal understanding. And this life, this life, what it is at its core is knowing God. So I want to rephrase it this way. Life, life is found. Life is found in knowing God. Now, if you are somebody who relates not only to God, but maybe to people in general, just kind of in that more, as we talked about the first couple of weeks, in more of a heart sort of way or more in a a soul connection sort of way and you think I say hey this is here to talk about knowing God is eternal life you're like man it's more than just knowing things about God it's deeper than that it's soul connection it's heart connection that may be kind of where your brain and your heart go which I I understand it is deeper than that but it is also that and and really if you want to have a soul heart level connection with somebody you have to know who they are and knowing God in all of the different ways that we've talked about to this point that we're talking about today that we're talking about now necessitate that I need to know who he is I'm not trying to know some God that doesn't exist I'm not trying to worship a God that isn't real I'm not trying to have a relationship with anyone and not know who they truly are. That is the beauty and the joy of a relationship. Is I, I want to know who they really are. 
And Jesus says very clearly here, that is the beauty and the joy of this life. It is, it is a tremendous privilege. It is the thing that Jesus Christ has opened up to us through his death on the cross is to really know who this God is, which again, if, if we were hearing about this for the first time, I think we'd be completely and totally overwhelmed by it. That the creator God of the universe wants to relate to you and wants you to know who he is and has therefore revealed truths about himself so that you can know who he is. And then when you know who he is, you can have, because this is what he wants, a deep heart, soul level connection with you. So if this is where eternal life is, this is what eternal life is, this needs to be a significant part of what our journey with him is, a, a pursuit of knowledge and understanding and study about who God really is. And if we're going to do this, if we're going to pursue life this way, if we're going to start thinking about eternal life as growing in my knowledge and understanding with who God is so then I can connect with him deeper and better, if this is going to be the journey, there's a couple of pieces of advice I want to give you. Is if we are going to love God in this way and connect God in this way, there's a couple of things I think are really important for us to know. And we're going to start here with this one is that we need to be comfortable. We need to be comfortable with mystery. We need to be comfortable with mystery. There are some things about God that are difficult to understand. There are some things about God that seems like that they're possibly unknowable. It seems like just even the idea, like you say it, if he is powerful enough that he speaks everything that we can even possibly observe, he speaks all of that into existence, then his power... His, 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 you know, for lack of a better word, his, his bigness, his very nature is greater than what all of the universe is. And the gap between the entire universe and him is so significant that he can just speak it and it happens. You would imagine that trying to really know who that God is would be a little overwhelming. And some of us kind of get you know, we kind of get unsettled at that. But the Bible speaks to this, and there are several verses that are like this. One is in Isaiah uh, 55, 8 and 9. And some of you may be familiar with this, maybe heard it quoted or said before, where he's just talking about how his ways, my ways are greater than your ways. My thoughts are deeper than your thoughts. That the ways and the thoughts of God, that there is a huge gap between the way he behaves and the way he thinks and the way we behave and the way that we think, that there's a big gap there. And that we need to, we need to, we need to be comfortable with that, that I'm not going to be able to put all of the pieces of God together in a way that is both true and makes sense to me. Because he is not an idealized human. He's not a perfect human. He is so much more than that and exists on a, on a, on a, on a, on a plane that we won't even be able to comprehend. And then there's another verse that I really love in Romans 11, verse 33, where Paul says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. So I'm trying to make sense of his judgments. He said they're, they're not even searchable. And I'm trying to figure out where he's going, what his paths are. You can't, you can't, you can't draw it. And there is something about the bigness and the power and just the very nature of God 
that puts a huge gap between him and us where on some ways it can seem that he is unknowable. And so some of us, when kind of faced with this idea of mystery, it's mysterious. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's parts about God that are, that are unknowable. And we, we conf- get confronted with this, so then we just reject it. Then you realize, what, is, what, is, what is even the point? Or we just we reject the idea that that even exists, and then we work and struggle to try to make a God that makes sense to us. But really, that's part of the depth and the power of this capital L eternal life that Jesus is offering to us. The ability to, even though there are parts of God that are unsearchable and unknowable, he is offering this opportunity to learn, to grow, to understand, to, to, to try to get to know the parts of him we can. Because just because there are some parts of God that are mysterious doesn't mean that there aren't things that can be known about God. And so let me just illustrate this. I'm going to give you kind of some different categories for all these things, these truths and ideas about God that are out there that, can, we, that maybe can kind of help us. So I'm going to tell you one right now. If you think that God is completely unknowable, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you something here. God is not fond of murder. Bro, you just blew my mind. Right? I get, what, didn't, one, it didn't surprise you. And two, I don't have to explain it to you. God, let me tell you what murder is. Let me tell you what it's like when one person kills another. But God, God doesn't like that. What, do you, well, what does that mean, though? What does it mean that he doesn't like? like no, he, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't want one human to kill another human. What, he, he doesn't like it. Lying, stealing. I, you, we know what these things are. And I would say that God is not in favor of them, and he doesn't want you to do them. There are parts of God that are very easily understood. And it is important for us, even though we know that there is this mystery up here, there are certain things that God has revealed to us that I think is of incredible importance for us to learn, to study, to understand, and to embrace. Let me give you another category. I've gotten, had the opportunity over the last you know, few months to talk to a few of you th- about this, and over the course of the last 13 years, I've gotten an opportunity to talk to a lot of you about this, about what it is like to deal with a toddler. And as you are dealing with a toddler, one of the things you just hear parents is like, I just want, I just want to teach them. I want them to understand that, that certain behaviors have consequences. And I want them to not do this because if they do this, then a bad thing will happen. I need them to be able to listen to me when I say don't touch a thing, that that means you don't touch it. And I, think, I want them to understand. And so, and so, you know, people are trying varying degrees of gentle parenting now where you're going to kind of get down, you're going to get down on the same high level with them and you're going to talk to them and you're going to use these words and I'm going to be able to explain to them, no, no, we, we don't touch it. We don't touch it. It might could hurt you. We don't touch it. And then they look at you and they go, and you're like, what is, what, like you begin to think there's something wrong with this kid, right? There's something like he just, I just cannot seem to communicate to him in a way that he will understand that things have consequences, and it's not that he doesn't understand. It's that he doesn't understand yet. And as many of you know, that I I am uh, I love I love babies. Babies are precious and cute and awesome. Some people think it's a little weird. I gave up that a long time ago. I don't care. Babies are cute and fun, and I love to talk to them. And if you have a baby, you've seen me do this. I will come up to you and I will start talking to your baby. I'll try to acknowledge you first. Hey, you. And then I'm trying to talk to the baby. 
And here's the thing that will happen to me sometimes. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm talking to the baby. <coughs> what have you been up to today? And then sometimes the parent will answer. It's like, if I was legitimately interested in knowing what this kid was up to today, I would have looked at you. What have you and this baby been doing today? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the baby. What have you been up to today? What's going on with you? How are you doing? And some kids, they'll just lock in on you, and you can tell that they're trying to answer anything on you. And they're, and they're trying to answer. And every now and then, like a, like a preschooler or early elementary kid will come up and be like, you know that kid can't talk. I'm like, mm. And then my thought is, they can't talk yet. But the more that you talk, the more they will learn, the more they will grow, the more they will understand, and then the kid will talk. And the more that you communicate boundaries and consequences and things like this to your toddler, eventually they will understand. There's things that they can't know, and there's things that they don't know yet. And there are some truths, especially maybe even some hard truths about God, that they're not that they're incomprehensible to you. Maybe some things about his nature, maybe some things about his values that for one reason or another, you're having a hard time either putting your brain around or in reality, maybe some of them you're having a hard time putting your heart around. And it's not that they're a mystery to you, that you don't understand them. It's like you just don't understand them yet. But further understanding and study and exploration and meditation and talking to God, there will be more and more about him that you will begin to understand. And the beauty of it is for every new thing about God that we begin to understand, it reveals three or four brand new mysteries. Which is why this life with God is one of the reasons why it is an eternal life. An exploration into the very nature of of what can feel like an unknowable God, but that has revealed himself to us through his word. But again, there are going to be some categories that are really more like this, like trying to explain the color purple to a tree. Let that sink in a little bit. Like, man, that's ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. There are a lot of things about its environment that a tree does understand. And a tree is constantly interacting with his environment to understand where water is and these kinds of things. And it is constantly exploring and understanding the nature of its environment. So it has an ability to understand and interact with its environment. But it certainly has no capacity to hear human language. And it has no capacity to understand the word of color. And so the gap there between a human talking about colors and tree is large. And there are going to be some things about who God is I don't know how big you think the gap of understanding is and nature and complexity between a tree and a person, but I assure you that the gap between us and God is greater. And I would imagine that there are some things about the very nature of who God is that he is, it's not that he's not capable of explaining, but he knows the limitations of our brain and the way that it works. There are things about him that our brains just aren't capable of understanding. And there is no language by which he could and honestly, the more I think about that, the more comfort I have that my life is in his hands. Because I do not want my life in the hands of someone who's just like me, but just a certain amount smarter and a certain amount better. To know that the God of the universe, that's the one that I worship, who is bigger even beyond my brain to fully understand. So we've got things over here, don't murder, to purple to a tree, and everything in between. We spent some time in December talking about what Jesus 
was up to before he was born, which just even that concept is a little bit mind-altering. So then we start talking some about the Trinity, that the Father is God and Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God and how that works and what does it mean for Jesus to be fully God and also to be fully a person and how does that work. And there's some things about it that we can describe that we can say are true, but the more you try to figure all these things out, that the Father is God and the Son is God and the Spirit is God, but there's one God, but they're different, the more you say, the more you think about it, the more overwhelmed you can become. But the more comfortable we are with mystery, the more we can, to use the word, love God fully with our mind as we begin to appreciate the depth of who he is. And so if we are going to be on this eternal life journey, we need to be comfortable with exploring that mystery. But in addition to that, I must try to say this very clearly, we need to worship God for who he is not who you wish he were. There is who God is and there's who you think he should be. There's what God values and what you think God should value. And I think it is incredibly important for us to make sure that we make that decision because there's distinction because there are far too many of us and honestly, all of us fall into this category at some point where we start to believe or start to act as if all of the things that are true about God exist as a buffet. And I get to look at the buffet and determine which of these things I want to put on my plate. I like this, I like this, I don't like. Like me, the picky eater, that I get to go and I get to decide what I want to eat and what I don't want to eat. And I get to have my own plate and my plate is my God. But God is not a buffet, God is who God is. And who he is is who he is. And if I'm going to worship God, I want to worship God for who he is. You want to be in a relationship with me, you have to be in a relationship with who I am, not who you wish I were. Not someone who isn't a picky eater. Not someone who does like coffee. Not someone who can float. You want to be in a relationship, it's who I actually am. And there are some of us that we see certain truths about God and the things that he values and, and, and we don't like them. They feel rough. They feel coarse. And we don't like them. And I, but we need to make sure we're, we understand this, that you're not doing God favors by polishing off his rough edges to make him more palatable to you or to someone else. You're not doing him a favor. You're misrepresenting who he is. You're not doing you a favor because you're connecting with a God that doesn't exist. And you're going to have some misunderstanding about who he is. And then we start to treat God as if you're taking someone to see your family for the first time and you've got to explain your drunk uncle or the grandpa who talks about politics too much. And you're kind of walking in there and be like, okay, just so you know, this is what's going to happen. But they're cool. I know. It's cool though. It's, it's, it's just something you got to learn to deal with. And we, and, and, and we become ashamed, become embarrassed. Again, we have this buffet mentality. But I want to ask you this kind of seemingly kind of rhetorical question. Are you allowing the God of the universe to shape your mind? Or are you allowing your mind to shape who you believe the God of the universe is? Because understanding the distinction between those two things is 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 going to help you is going to help you a lot in your in in your in your real understanding of kind of 
who he is because we do not want to be on the wrong side of this. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Job, but it is the story of a guy who experiences all of this tragedy. And his friends are telling him, it's all your fault. You must have done something bad. And then Job, eventually, he's getting frustrated with his friends and eventually starts expressing some frustration with God. And it just kind of ends with this rebuke from God. Okay, oh, you're so smart. You know about me. You know what I'm doing. You know everything about me and the way that the world works. Tell me, where were you when I created this? Where were you Where were you when I put the stars where they are? Where were you when I put the moon where it was? Where were you when I made this animal? Where were you when I did this? Where did I do with this? Where, tell, tell me, since you seem to know everything. It's really kind of a pretty strong rebuke for a guy who was really feels like he was just kind of processing some things. But it is very important to God that he be known for who he is. And I think it is important for us to make sure that we are worshiping the one true God. Because here's what, again, I want to say some of us, but really I should say, here's what all of us have done at some point in our life, and a lot of us, maybe even all of us to some degree, are still doing. Where we kind of have a tribe, and our tribe has a certain belief system, a certain value system, and then we go to the Bible, and when the Bible agrees with us, we're like, see, that's good, that's good. And when it disagrees with us, we're like, uh, I don't know, we probably, probably is not what that means. And then you put it all together, and you study, and you read, and you learn, and you understand, and just... By what, 100% coincidence, it turns out you and God agree about everything. And we're not allowing him to shape us because the reality of it is most of us got our initial understanding of God from a very limited place. A lot of us grew up in a place where we learned something about God and, and he was kind of put in this really small box and we've never really moved on from it. Or some of us grew up understanding who God was in this very small box and we decided we didn't like it so we blew it up but we built a different small box for him over here. But the reality is everyone in this room, me included, we are still living every day under misconceptions and misunderstandings about who God really is. I doubt that there is anybody here in this room that is doing that on purpose that wants to be doing that. But we do. We have some misunderstandings. There, is, there are certainly gaps at a minimum, gaps in our knowledge and understanding about who God really is. But life is found in knowing who he really is. And so you're reading his word. You're studying the Bible together with some friends. You hear a sermon on the word or a podcast or something. You read a book and you hear something about God that doesn't set well with you. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Maybe, this, maybe, you, maybe you read this thing in the Bible, you've just misunderstood what it said. But it's like, if this is what this says, then, then, then it's a problem. Or then most of us do. We'll either just dismiss it out of hand, or we'll go to somebody who we know thinks just like we do. Hey, what do you think about this? And like, I don't like it either. And then we together decide, okay, well, then we go, we'll move on. But in reality, this is what I try to do. I, I, I come across some idea that I, I don't know that I'm comfortable with. I'm not sure I fully understand what is being said here. My first thing to do is I'll go to a resource that I trust and see how they've wrestled with it. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised to see 
you, if you just start Google what is up with this verse, how quickly it will autocomplete, and how many people have asked that same question before. And so I'll go to a, a, a teacher, a Bible, someone who understands the Bible, that I trust and see how they've wrestled with it. And maybe that will or won't be satisfactory to me. I'll talk to people, other people that I know. Hey, what do you think about this? People that I know that think like I do. People that I know that don't think like I do. And try to fully understand. But I'm telling you, even in the wrestling, even in that process of trying to figure out what does this mean, the pursuit of a knowledge and a deeper understanding of who God is, I'm experiencing life and even in these moments of conflict because I'm striving to know and to understand who God really is. Not my early misconception of him and not my incomplete understanding of who he is. And I'm going to be comfortable because I'm comfortable with mystery. I'm always going to be comfortable but that my knowledge of understanding of who God is is going to be incomplete. I've known my wife for 35 years. I've spent a lot of time with her. And I'm just scratching the surface of knowing who she truly is. I'm being in a relationship with God for 3,500 years. And we'll just have begun to scratch the surface of the surface of the surface of knowing who he truly is. And I'm comfortable with that. But I also know that the stakes are really high here. Because this is where the life is. The life is in knowing who he is and having this full connection with my heart, with my emotions, with my soul, the deepest parts of who I am, with what I do. And that begins with a true understanding of who he is. And it is of incredible importance to me. And I hope it can be for you that as we are all in this journey together, pursuing a relationship with God, that we will be students to understand who God truly is. Let me pray. God, I pray, I pray that we would just be open. God, I pray that our hearts would open, our minds would open to really know and understand who you are. Because so many of us are holding on to something that we got a long time ago. Or God, to be honest, we made up ourselves. We're holding on to it. God, some of us are running from something. Some ideas that we heard or thought or someone that we don't like says once. And God, they're just things that hold us back from just fully pursuing a depth of knowledge of understanding about who you are. And God, whatever the fear is, whatever the anxiety is, God, I pray that we would pursue you fully, a deep, real understanding of who you are. The God, that we would let you challenge us, challenge our worldviews, challenge our belief systems, challenge our moralities, the God, that we would not try to shape you, but let you shape us. So God, with our whole heart, our whole soul, all of our strength, and God, our minds, 
that we would pursue life with you. And as always, we're so thankful for your son who makes this possible. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.